this is Steve, and welcome back to another episode of Restless the Podcast. Hey, it's been a little while since we put out our last episode, and we hope that you have been doing well in the course of how life has been leading us with the pandemic and a lot of different things going on. So we wish you well. Today we have a great story between a father and a son, and just this incredible thing that happens from both a past trouble that... Uh, that Bill experienced and how he was reunited with his family, and then what God did in an amazing way after that point. But we hope that you're listening in, and you can find us at Restless the Podcast, so go out on the web and find that. And if you have an interest in telling your own story, go there to where it says, tell your story in a drop-down box, look us up, and leave us some information about you. Secondly, We've been putting out, since January, a short, about a 2-minute-and-30-second segment called uh, Press On. These are short little segments that just is about encouragement. Boy, then the world could use that more than ever right now to think about things and some of the struggles and what the Word in the Bible has to say about that. And we hope that you can tune in and listen to some. They're only 2 minutes and 30 seconds and you can listen to them in your car or wherever you go to as kind of a bit of a shot in the arm. So tonight I'd like to introduce to you Bill and William, a father and son combination who just had an incredible journey, as I had mentioned earlier, Luke, that uh, I just find tender. And in some, some respects, there's little bits in there that I relate to as well. But what's happened is just a, is, is a miracle. And I think it's I think it's just cool that we all hear this. So I want to welcome Bill and William to the show tonight. So allow me to start with a little background on both Bill and William here. Bill is a 63-year-old soft-spoken man and a father of four. He is an accomplished auto and race car mechanic, and he is very gifted in construction and is a very talented craftsman. His heart and sensitivity to broken relationships is very special in that it pains him when things are not right. There were few things that he could not fix, except for his family. William, as a freshman in high school, was trying to find his way in life with a broken family. Who knew how things might end up for him? However, because of a special week at camp that changed his life, he now, as a nearly 30-year-old man, is employed by the education system working with students. He is the wrestling coach of the high school he works at, and he gives back as a young life leader and on local mission trips to serve those in need. So with that said, take it away, guys. William, I guess we'll go ahead and start with you. So uh, my name is William. Yep. I am, uh, I guess, on the, the back end of my 20s and, um, you know, just, uh, just, just living life and, uh, you know, essentially just growing into, you know, uh, more or less, you know, just becoming, you know, like a middle-aged man and, um, you know, just uh, going about life uh, one day at a time. And, Bill, you had said before we started that you had, uh, you grew up in southern Maryland. And uh, what, what was it like growing up for you? Uh, I had uh, two other Two other brothers, and uh, we had uh, was raised by my father, who was an uh, alcoholic, and uh, didn't really uh, 
was not a real good role model mm. and you know uh didn't really have anyone to uh to take care of us or tell us you know what to do or anything we was kind of like <clears throat> our own boss most of the time you know and um and we got into a lot of trouble and caused a lot of problems for my dad you know growing up was you, was your mom on the scene at the time no no my mom wasn't around they they had separated when uh let's see probably like 1965 1966 mm. something like that and how old were you mm. uh i think i was uh seven years old let's see yeah i was seven years old yeah when they separated how'd that impact you um that hurt me pretty bad i remember uh yeah, I remember watching my mom get on the airplane, and she flew to Chicago. Uh, that was uh, 1966 or 1965, something like that. Um, and I'm just this little guy that couldn't, I didn't know why m my mother and father you know, couldn't stay together. I couldn't figure it out. You know, mm -hmm. it was uh, it was pretty devastating for me. You know, and it it I thought about it, and it it bothered me for a long time. You know, and um, it it was just bad for me. Uh, didn't didn't know what to do with those kind of feelings. And my father was never uh, a huggy huggy type person I love you you know or anything like that you know uh, just kind of like uh, you know uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just keep getting up you know he was that kind of guy a hard guy and uh, I don't know just living that growing up like that you know and seeing him drink and hang out you know with his friends and be this rough guy, I just kind of turned into that person more and more as I as I grew up, and mm. um, you know, I started to drink and, and use drugs and stuff like that, and it got me in a lot of trouble, and um, it seemed like um, that I had started that kind of stuff earlier than him, so I feel like I progressed in that a whole lot faster than he did, you know, or my my brothers uh, for some reason. It got me in a lot of trouble, you know. I ended up getting in trouble with the law and, you know, that kind of stuff, in and out of jails. Uh, well, I'll back up a little bit. Before that, I was uh, juvenile. I was in a lot of juvenile institutions and, uh, you know, and then after 18, it wasn't juvenile institutions. They were correction centers and penitentiaries and stuff like that. And when I was about 24, I had uh, just gotten out of jail, and it wasn't no time that I was back in trouble again, and I was getting ready to go back into jail. And I'm like, you know, this this isn't really what I want to do with my life. Uh, so... You know, it was just uh, 
very, very hard on me to try to get out, acquire a place to live or, mm. and, you know, these kind of things, a job and that kind of stuff, and then turn around and lose it. Uh, so I uh, went into a rehab in uh, like 1982 or 1983. So how old are you about now? Uh, I'm just guessing. 20, 23, 24 years old. Okay. You know, and uh, um, I remember coming home when I was in the rehab, you know, before, you know, uh, uh, and at one point in time I was allowed to come home and I'd, through the week I would live this uh, clean life with people going places and doing things and their lives changing and then the weekends I'd go home and then I felt like I was, every time I would go back home, I was going backwards, you know, and, you know, it's just... Uh, very hard for me to, to, to try to, to live there on the weekends and see uh, my brothers, my father, the people, you know, I grew up with them and they were doing the same old thing and I was trying to change my life. And then, uh, I don't know, something happened, some kind of crisis in the family happened, whatever, me and my dad just kind of got into it. And I left out of the house and I said, you know, dad, I, I just don't think I could ever live with you guys again. And I, I, I stayed in the rehab, never didn't come back home, and um, you know I have got my own place after that, and, and uh, continued to uh, uh, seek out my sobriety and and stay clean. Mm. You know. So now you're you're in your still your twenties, twenty three, twenty four. Right. And uh, so so you're out. You kind of make the decision. You just really can't live at home anymore in that regards, and. So what happens next? Um, I uh, I just uh, I got a job uh, uh, as a painter, and uh, 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 when I was uh, uh, in Alcoholic Anonymous, I ran into someone I knew, and he asked me, you know, what I was doing for a living, and uh, you know, uh, told him where I was, you know. Uh, staying and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And at this point in time, I didn't have no driver's license or car or nothing. So he started coming over and picking me up from the, uh, the halfway house and then uh, giving me rides. So I ended up getting a job with him. And, and this guy turned out to be my sponsor, you know, mm -hmm. and, he, and he helped me along a lot, you know, you know, uh, for, you know, a sponsor is someone that can, uh, uh, help you along in the program and you can uh, they'll share their experiences uh, what they went through in their early sobriety to help you along you know so when you talk about painter what kind of painter house painter house painter okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and how many years did you do that I did that for two years and after that I, I just kind of uh, Kind of did my own thing in the shop, welding, you know, doing race car chassis, mechanical stuff, and uh, worked with my dad doing carpenter work, and uh, we did the wood, you know, firewood. And then, uh, I don't know, as time rolled on, and uh, probably like in 1992, I went to work for, you know, the shop I work at now. And so you you had probably picked up the the auto mechanic skills working with your dad and 
so forth and so on. So then you, then you went to a, a shop and, and started working there full time. Yes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So what happened after that? Uh, uh, I got, uh, see, uh, I had met uh, William's mother in probably 84, in 1984, 1985, and uh, we uh, we had four kids together, and uh, <coughs> um, we didn't we didn't get married until uh, probably it was about uh, 98, 1998, and then uh, we moved up up this way and then uh, um, uh, probably in 2000 hmm. uh, we decided that uh, to get a divorce you know and uh, that that didn't work out uh, so easy uh, so how, how was it at the time that even prior to you getting married you probably brought into the marriage some of those habits that you had younger. I mean, just with the alcoholic issues and, and others. Yeah, I, I didn't know how to. Uh, uh, I had no comp. I didn't compromise a lot. You know, I was uh, uh, into a lot of uh, things that only involved me. It didn't involve my family. You know, I just you know. I didn't do a lot of family things with my kids, you know, just kind of, you know, as, as a father, I did a, did a lot of things, you know, wrong then, you know. Kind of on your own then. Right. Was that right. because of the, the, the habits you had built from substance abuse or? I, th- I think it was just a combination of things, uh, you know, being self-centered on myself a lot and uh, uh, not having a, a, a role model father uh figure to, mm-hmm. to to teach me that you know uh you know you, you take care of your family love your family uh, you know uh do things together you know guide your kids you know and just be a father you know mm-hmm. and, and it's more to and just having kids and being a father you know you have to you know spend time with them let the relationship grow guide and you know be involved with them the things they like you have to encourage them and the things they like and spend time with them it's not just all about you know uh you know giving them clothes and you know that kind of stuff feeding them you know that 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 sort of stuff you have to spend time with them and and uh, and love them and that was a, a kind of a hard thing for me because uh <coughs> it, uh like I said, spoke before, my father was kind of like, uh, you know, a hard guy and and never showed me love much and, and, you know, put his arms around me and hugged me or anything like that and told me that he loved me. So I grew up kind of not knowing how to love somebody and you can't give something away that you don't have, you know. Yeah. I had to, you know, learn all that over again, you know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And William, what do you remember of those years? Well, from an early age, I uh, just remember my dad just working a lot in the garage and uh, 
pretty much just like life revolved around cars. Um, always talking about cars, uh, going to the racetrack and, um, just my dad working like long hours, you know? And, um, remember like, just like hot rods, just like, you know, making passes in the, uh, you know, the road in front of our house. And, uh, you know, growing up as a young boy, you know, it's, that stuff's like real cool, you know, and just like getting to go for a ride and hot rods and, uh, you know, being the passenger seat, you know, when somebody's doing a burnout, you know, it's just like, that's just real cool stuff, you know, just, um, to remember. Yeah. So how would you gauge family life? So family life, um, I, I, I would just say that it was like, spent a lot of time just like hanging out my, uh, my sisters and, um, just growing up with them and, uh, just, just kind of like, you know, being around my mom a lot more than, uh, you know, my dad, just because just the work aspect, you know, it was, uh, you know, he, he was providing, you know, he had to provide, so he had to work. And, uh, so that that's what sticks out to me uh, a lot just about growing up. Yeah, but because of his work, though, there was, there was some aspect that he wasn't around as much. Did it seem that yeah. way to you? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So, but Bill, you had said some at some point in time the marriage um, then came a divorce. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was it was better off you know, for me to, to get out of the house, you know, and, and, uh, you know, just try to, uh, just try to, to, uh, to, to, to make a life, you know, uh, better for everyone around me and her, the kids. And, you know, uh, if we wasn't, you know, uh, you know, getting along and, you know, s starting to show, you know, in front of the kids and, you know, nobody, you know, I mean, I seen that as a kid, uh, m my mother and father fighting and stuff like that. And it, it was just better off that, that, uh, you know, that, uh, that I move on, you know, just, just get out of the picture. And, uh, there was a lot of, uh, things going on, you know, back and forth with the courts and stuff like that. And I wasn't, uh, really supposed, you know, to be around the house. So, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, just uh, you you had kind of saw that role play out in front of you with your mom and dad. Right, right. So when you saw things, or at least believe things were going south, you, you seen, well, this is probably the best thing to do then, right? Yeah, at one point in time, it was just better for us to part, you know. Um, but, you know, uh, even with that, you know, uh, you have drawbacks, you know, with uh, making a decision like that. I, I mean, uh, I looked at myself, you know, uh, I don't have my family no more, you know. Uh, I don't have a place to live. I uh, so. Uh, one point in time, I lived in the shop inside a van where I where I worked for quite a while, you know, because uh, uh, 
at that point in time, you know, trying to pr provide and uh, have a place for everybody to live, the kids and, and everybody, and, you know, uh, food and keep them going. I, you know, I just really couldn't afford a place of my own, you know. So, so you actually now the guy who li lives in a van down by the, the river? <laughs> I don't know if you remember that show or not? No, no, I, I don't. I don't remember that. That was a Saturday Night Live thing. <laughs> that was a Chris Farley reference. Chris Farley, yep. yeah, I live in a van. How, how, how did that story go, William? For for my uh, no Saturday Night Live. Oh, the guy who lives in a van down by the river. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, Chris Farley, was the best. Yes. Yeah. So, so you kind of became that guy. Yeah, but, but not by but, a river. You know, it. It. I can't describe the the way that having to leave my my family, my wife, my home, uh, what that did to me. <clears throat> I had severe depression, mm. and uh, I just felt like uh, man was not made to live this miserable here on earth the way I was feeling, being separated from my family and my kids. You know, I really, uh, I missed that life. And, you know, I, I kind of looked at it like it was gone and, and I blew it or whatever. You know, I don't, I can't really describe uh, the feeling of depression, you know, uh, severe depression to anybody. But uh, I started uh, uh, seeing a doctor and, and stuff like that, uh, about that. Uh, and uh, it, it seemed like it was helping me a little bit, but it, it, it just wasn't there. Uh, I, uh, I remember uh, going uh, to a church. It was during my lunch break at work. I, I left work and I, I rode to a church and I uh, I went upstairs into the office part and I sat down and I talked to some people and I told them that I didn't know what was wrong with me but I, I didn't feel like I was supposed to live this miserable and uh, they talked to me for a little while and they seemed like they were really uh, really wanted to help me and was really concerned about the way I was feeling and they asked me to come back uh, Sunday and, uh, you know, be part of their, uh, uh, their church, see what, see what it was about, see what was going on. And <clears throat> I started going, attending this church, you know, and, uh, I think it was long about the, the second or the third week I was there, uh, someone approached me, uh, cause, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't emphasize enough on how bad I felt in this feeling that I was carrying around. And uh, I went to the altar, and, uh, you know, I was at the altar and, and, and uh, praying, you know, that something would happen with my life and my life would change. And, uh, and then when it was over, I was walking out the door, and... <clears throat> uh, a guy came up from behind me and tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, Brother, have you got a minute? And I said, uh, well, yeah, I, I do have a minute. He says, well, uh, my name's so-and-so, you know, and uh, 
I said, I'm a brother here in this church. And uh, if, if you have time, I'd like to go up here to the prayer stop and uh, just talk to you. And uh, me and that guy sat there and talked for probably two hours. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, I gave my life to the Lord inside that prayer stop. And uh, I just kept going to church, you know, and uh, uh, things just seemed to start getting better and easier for me, you know. And uh, uh, I... uh, <clears throat> just uh, uh, went to that church and and uh, and con- continued to have a relationship with my friend. All right, Bill. Bill, you said something that interested me. Um, you said after that point, things started to get easier. What do you mean by easier? Do you mean that like the clouds just opened up and suddenly? life's hardships started just beginning to vanish or rather that how you felt and how you approached all the difficulties and everyday sufferings of life just was different. Uh, well, I, uh, I started to be, I, it, I started to feel happier. You know, I could like, uh, listen to music uh my life wasn't so much as one big constant worry i felt like something had been lifted off of me so uh, as the maybe, state of your mind began to change yeah like i didn't have all this pressure on my mind you know mm-hmm. i wasn't constantly worrying i felt a little bit at ease you know mm-hmm. and this was probably uh, maybe 2004 by now, you know, something like that. And then uh, uh, for different reasons with, with uh, the courts and the law and stuff like that, I couldn't see my kids or have much contact with them. Uh, the only thing we were really allowed to do was have therapy together. Mm. Uh, was there any chance of a reconciliation at all in this? I didn't see any. Okay. I didn't see any. And you weren't allowed to, you had minimal contact with your kids. Right. And, uh, that, and that was killing you. Yeah. And I mean, I I did not know how sick uh, my wife was. You know, my ex, she wasn't quite my ex-wife yet, but she, I didn't know how sick she was. Physically. Physically. <clears throat> Until uh, my oldest daughter called me one night and said, hey, uh, Dad, this is what's going on, and uh, Mom's very sick. They're, they're going to take her off life support tomorrow. And you didn't know any of that? I, I had no idea what was going on. Oh, my goodness. And... Uh, uh, she said, would you like to be there tomorrow with us? And I, you know, I said, yeah, sure. I, I, you know, I'll come up there, you know. And, um, you know, there was a lot of things that was done 
we had done to each other back and forth through this whole thing. It was uh, really bad, you know. Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't say exactly everything that happened, but it was it was pretty bad. And you know, when I I was up there uh, in the hospital, and the the kids was all around the in the bed, and and as she was dying, you know, uh, they were all crying, and I was crying, and I was praying, and I was asking for forgiveness for you know all the things that that I had done, you know, as, as a, a a bad husband or a bad father, and. Uh, uh, Bill, can I ask, was your wife conscious at the time? No, she wasn't. She wasn't conscious. And, mm-hmm. and William, you re- you recall this scene as well? Yeah, I. Um, you know, I remember just being like waking up that day, and that was the day they were going to take my mom off life support, and arriving to the hospital. And, like, walking through, like, the back hallway and, like, opening the doors and then seeing my mom lay there on the table with, you know, a, uh, a I'm not a doctor, but a breathing machine, you know, mm-hmm. something helping her, uh, you know, her breathe. And just, like, seeing them take the tube out and, like, you know, like seeing my mom struggle to breathe, you know, for the duration of a couple minutes, you know, it's like something that'll stick with me for the rest of my life. Mm. Yeah. And how long had it been since you had seen your dad? Um, I would say it was probably a couple of months. So you guys, that that scene that that day are together now and you hadn't seen your dad and now we have these circumstances where your your mom has just a short time to go yeah and it's kind of surreal just because you know it it all just happened so fast um within like a month's time you know uh it it kind of essentially hit the fan, yeah. You know, and uh, just my mom progressively got, uh, you know, worse. And you know, I seeing family that I haven't seen in like you know years. Mm. You know, when it was just a really, really terrible situation that brought a lot of people you know, together. And about that same time, around that period of time, some things were changing in your life too. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it was when I was towards the end of my freshman year, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I was in school and uh, I was getting towards the end of the year and, uh, you know, as kids do, we always talk about like what we got planned for the summer. And, uh, you know, kids would always ask me like, Hey man, what do you, what do you got going on this summer? And, you know, from about sixth grade, seventh grade and eighth grade, you know, I 
just told my friends I was going to be hanging out at the house and, you know, just getting into stuff around there. And that kind of like hurt just because I remember my friends telling me like, hey, I'm going to Myrtle Beach or, you know, I'm going to like Daytona or I'm going to, you know, wherever. And, um, you know, I never really got to say like, hey, I'm going on this like awesome, you know, vacation just because my family didn't have the money. Mm. And so I remember uh, ninth grade year, I was uh, in my math class and I saw a poster on the wall for a, uh, a camp up in uh, New York. And I had no idea about the, the camp. I didn't know what it was. Uh, I just saw a bunch of kids. You know, tubing, um, you know, going uh, water skiing, uh, you know, just uh, having an awesome time up at this camp in New York. And I really wanted to just experience what every kid gets to experience, you know, just an awesome summer, you know, just uh, a chance to escape. And so I brought the flyer home to my mom. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I had no idea what it was. And, I was like, Mom, 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 can I can we go on this uh can I go on this camp trip? And this was probably about like two months before the camp trip was supposed to leave, and she saw the flyer for it and you know uh read it over and saw the price was like close to eight hundred dollars and didn't have the the money for that, obviously. So she decided to call anyway and uh figured out that uh through just like uh, campership and just donations that, uh, you know, kids that weren't as fortunate as others were able to go on this camping trip. And uh, so I got to go on this awesome camping trip. You know, I didn't know anybody on the camping trip. Like I didn't know a single person on the camping trip. Like I, I got on the bus and didn't know anybody. The only person I know on this, uh, this, this camping trip was uh, my math teacher. Hmm. You know, and that is every kid's dream is to hang out for a week with their math teacher. And, uh, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I, at that moment, I like knew I messed up because I was like, I didn't know a single person. You know, I was a freshman. You know, freshmen, they don't really know anybody. They kind of stick to themselves because at that point in their life, they're just trying to find who they are. Particularly when they're with their math teacher. Yeah, ex- exactly. I was the coolest person on that bus because I knew I was going to hang out with my math teacher the entire uh, entire week. And, uh, <laughs> and and you're welcome to say the organization. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a camp trip for a young life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it was... Uh, I, I, I didn't know what young life was at all or, um, you know, I, I certainly did not know it was faith-based. Um, but... It that that flyer just like it really just pulled me in, and so um, they gave me the 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 money to go to camp, and you know I'm on that bus, and you know it's a it was like a 14 hour bus ride, you know, and it was honestly one of the most miserable bus rides in my entire life because at that point I was like oh, I'm gonna dress presentable, so I wore like blue jeans and a polo on a 14 hour bus trip to New York, and oh, ouch, uh, yeah, so. Um, I get there at this camp trip, uh, first day I immediately find out it's like a Christian camp Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, I think one of the most stereotypical things about like, you know, um, like Christian camps or, you know, church camps is that you, 
kind of just sit by the fire. Somebody, uh, you know, brings their guitar and they, uh, the kumbaya starts. And, uh, you know, by uh, midweek, you have about 36, uh, you know, popsicle canoes built and uh, mm-hmm. like all this. But no, it was like the first day I found out it was like a Christian camp. And uh, I was like, besides myself, because I was like, man, what did I get into? Oh, no, they sent me to Jesus camp. Yeah, I was like... How do I get home? Yeah, exactly. I was, uh, you know, trying to figure out any way to get home. And um, so I was upset because I didn't know anybody. I was at a a Jesus camp, and um, I was just like, well, what am I going to be doing at home? So... You know, I was like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, see how this goes. And um, I I didn't really have a great relationship with my math teacher. Like, I, I was a, a, a real delinquent, like I would say. Who, who, a derelict. Yeah, who has a good relationship yeah. with their math teacher? It, it, I, I never did. Yeah. And so, um, you know, first day I'm, I'm like just – being dramatic because I don't want to be there. You know, second day I'm being dramatic because I don't want to be there. And you know, I'm I'm trying to honestly make this the worst time in my entire life. And the third day I was like, man, this is actually really fun. Like this is amazing. But but you weren't letting that out just yet. No, though. no, not yet. Course, not no. not yet, you know. You also had to go through the part where it went from bad to worse after you met me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> true. And uh but so this this camp is um yeah, third day, you know, I I'm just completely blown away. And I honestly think what really just, you know, had an impact on me was not necessarily the camp, it was just the people who I was surrounded with, you know, the, 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 the young life leaders were, you know, just awesome in mm. the sense that they did not know me. I, I never went to anything young life before this. And, um, they basically just like, you know, wanted to show me the best week of my life. And, uh, my, my math teacher, you know, did an awesome job of just, you know, essentially putting up this 14 year old brat and, you know, just, uh, just trying to meet him where he was at, you know, and, uh, you know, just show this kid, you know, an awesome week. And so, um, make a, make a long story short, you know, we, we get to, um, you know, kind of the end of the week and, uh, they give everybody an opportunity to, uh, you know, accept the Lord. And, you know, and I, I heard the gospel, you know, throughout this week and, uh, you know, I, I went to church, um, a little bit when I was younger. Um, my, uh, my dad, touched on this he was going to a church in montgomery county and uh and you know we we lived a little ways away from that but we would essentially take the trip down there so my mom could you know essentially show up to the church in front of my dad and my my dad wasn't able to talk to us or see us you know but she was kind of using it as an opportunity you know to kind of like rub it in his face and um you know, being a young kid, you don't really see that, mm. you know, like you're essentially just being kind of like a pawn. And so church in my eyes was basically just like, you just did it because you were told to, there was an ulterior motive. And I never really heard about Jesus the entire time when I was at, uh, this, uh, the, this church we we're going to, but 
when I was at this uh, this Young Life camp, like I completely heard like, um, uh, like a, a different message. Like I heard the gospel in its full extent. It was presented to me in such an awesome manner, you know, that somebody who did not want to be at a camp could just like completely fall in love with this guy Jesus. And um, I, I accepted uh, Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had the best week of my life. And, um, you know, I, I was completely sold on, you know, this whole God thing, you know, and, uh, you know, Jesus. And, uh, you know, I was heading home, you know, to, to start my relationship with Christ. Wow. But you were also heading home to a dramatic change in your life, too. Not only just in faith, but in the family dynamics. Bill, you had earlier prayed, I don't know if that was a year or two years before that event, in a church about what emotionally you were going through, and you prayed to God about it, and things began to change for you. So I see these two these two paths heading back together with both lives being transformed, preparing you to kind of this re-entry back into the family. Let's pick it up there. And I'd like to add, yes, they're, they're paralleling each yeah. other back together with with both of us not knowing where we're going and you know what the Lord's doing at that time heading us back together both both faith both experiences them. absolutely right. exactly and that's interesting so let's let's bring you guys back together that that day at the hospital and I know that's tough because I can see your eyes glassing up on that yeah, so um I uh I remember just going to the hospital like I was saying and uh they're they pull you into a room because they have a set time of like when they're gonna pull you know, um you know, the life support off of somebody, you know, and essentially you're sitting in a waiting room for them to, to call you back for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And there is no worse feeling than waiting for somebody to die. And, you know, I, I'm in there with my, uh, my sisters and, and I'm coming to the realization that they're all I have at that point. And your dad has showed back up on the scene. Yeah. My dad is there, but I would say just from, kind of the environment that I was in for the last like four or five years, you know, with my mom, it was, um, that your dad, he, uh, doesn't love you. And he, you know, he's, he's a bad guy that, you know, put it in layman's terms, you know, it's just like, he's a bad guy. He doesn't love you. And so, you know, I had this whole idea of like who my dad was, uh, this my dad was projected to me in that manner. Like I, I didn't really know him, uh, you know, outside of that because when he left, I was like seven or eight years old, mm. you know. So I never really got to, uh, you know, know him from then on out. Like I was only told about him from my mom, and you know, I the way she just projected to him, projected him to me. I was just like, oh my gosh, I was like kind of scared scared of him. My sisters, uh, you know, were scared of him as well. And so, um, 
I just remember when my mom passed away, um, it was kind of like, well, what's going to happen with the kids? You know, it was like, we were, I honestly felt like we were like strays. Like, who's going to like take the cat when everybody moves out? Mm. It's like, I felt like we were like, who's going to take the kids, you know? And it was like, sister who's uh, significantly older than us was like, well, I mean, I guess I can find. And then my, my cousins were like, well, you know, they can, you know. And so, and it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like, a you know, like my dad, they were giving my dad like any chance to like, you know, to kind of take us in. And then, you know, it came to the point, it's like everybody, you know, concluded that that was the best decision. Hmm. Wow. So, Bill, let's go back to you. How's the hospital scene? So, so now these two lives are coming back together. Mm-hmm. And at what point do you actually move back to the house? I moved back that night. That night? That that night, we were all back in the house, you know. Uh, so you had been out of the scene from them for, what, five-plus years, and now you're back at, right. at the same day that mm-hmm. your wife, William's mom passes mm-hmm. away. And <clears throat> I'm one I'm wondering and thinking, you know, how am I gonna do this? You know, how am I gonna how am I gonna love these kids, be father, chief cook, bottle washer, yep, you know, and and do it all, you know, at the same time. You know, how am I going to do this, you know? Uh, Are all the kids still in the house? My oldest one has, she's married at this time. So she's out. She, yeah, she had, she had got married during, you know, that, that time of separation. Uh, So it's Lisa, Billy, and Tony. Wow. And myself. And uh, How, how did y'all get reintroduced to each other again? I mean, obviously, you had this preconceived notion that this bad guy's taken over, William. Yeah. Um, so I remember, you know, my dad moved in that night, and it's kind of just like, well, is it is it is it okay if I like him? Like, is well, I I don't know because you know I spent the last five years hearing how bad he was, and you know it was. Like oh man, like this is, this isn't normal. Like th- like this isn't what we're used to. Yeah. So how's the story go then? It 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 turned out a whole lot different than anyone would have imagined, didn't it? Yeah, it's like it's, this great big mountain was in front of me, mm. and and now it's gone. You know, and I, you know I I can't say everything was all peaches and cream and nice you know there were ups and downs you know we we all had to give a little bit we we we've we all had to change a little bit uh but somehow you know we uh we went the right direction uh you know i i think uh i'm learning how to love you know and the kids are seeing that I'm not 
I'm not this bad, bad guy that I'd been, you know, they had been told about, you know, or, you know, they said I was, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father and I, I, I want love and I want to give love, you know, and I'm learning that, uh, you know, you, you know, you can't get, you know, uh, you, you, you can't run your household like, like you're a sergeant, you know, you have to be a father, mm. you know, and, and it's, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing, you know, but uh, all the times, but a lot of times it is a, a good thing and it's a fun thing, you know, I mean, uh, um, <clears throat> William, if I could ask you, at what point in time did you begin to see that your dad is not this guy who was described to you? Well, it, it's just such a, it was such a contrast because, you know, um, you know, growing up, you know, before my parents got married, my, uh, my dad kind of essentially just wanted to do what he wanted to do. And, you know, it was, if we were going to do something fun, it was something that he essentially wanted to do that was fun. Or, you know, like it was like, hey, we're going to spend family time at like the racetrack. Or like, hey, we're going to, you know, spend family time at, you know, going to like a, a NASCAR track. And don't get me wrong, like we love that stuff. But when when he got older, you know, when we got older, it was uh, my my dad really made an effort to do things that were important to us. Mm. And I, I saw that, um, you know, firsthand when he would take my sister to cheerleading competitions wow. by himself, you know, and, uh, you know, it's hard enough to get, uh, like parents to do anything, you know, in this, uh, this, this world today where they're super busy with work and, uh, you know, even if it's things that are like maybe like you know going to a, their 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 son or daughter's basketball game, but it's like you know, you know, you're uh, like a single parent wants to go to his daughter's cheerleading competition, you know, and you know sit by himself in the stands and you know, cheer her on, you know, it's just like you know there there's a, a significant difference, you mm -hmm. know, like something has changed in his life. Yeah. To go from watching NASCAR to watching cheerleading. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Of. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So this story is just turning out a whole lot different than one would anticipate. I mean, Bill, you know, what changed? What force was behind this change? Uh... I just wanted to, I just wanted to love my kids. I wanted to be a, a, a to, to show my kids that that I love them, and and you know I wanted to be a a, a good father. You know, there was a lot of times when I was away, and I would think about you know what are my kids doing? You know, uh, am I ever going to be a part of their life again? You know, uh, it's. It was a miserable feeling without my kids around and and you know I didn't know if I was ever going to get to be part of their life again 
And it, it's like sometimes, you know, they, that saying, you don't want to drink the water until the well runs dry. Mm. You know, I, it, it's just like I was having a very, very hard time just trying to live and not be a part of my kids' lives. Yeah. And I wanted, I wanted, you know, th that that chance to come back to where I can be part of their lives and watch them grow, and you know, and have a have a chance to love them, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, uh, it's I, I don't know. Uh, I just uh, I remember uh, me and Billy talking one time, and. Uh, he, uh, he, you know, I was driving down to Montgomery County to go to church, and he was going north to go to church. And uh, he said, Dad, why don't you come to my church one day, you know, and, and try it? And so I did that, and, and I liked his church, and we started going to church together. together. And, then, and then it wasn't long after that, the whole family started going to church as a family, you know, and... Uh, I think, uh, you know, the Lord has touched every one of our lives in our family now, you know. I mean, we're all pretty much active, you know, yeah. and being a Christian, you know. Could, could this have happened without faith in Christ? No, uh, no absolutely not. No. Yeah, absolutely not. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I say that just because, you know, it's just, for me, like, I, it, it's, it's personal for me because, you know, just, I didn't know at being a nine-year-old or 10-year-old, you know, 11-year-old, like in middle school, my friends going on vacation and me not being able to have a trip anywhere would, would lead to something like much greater. Hmm. Like I, I had no idea that those summers spent at home would ultimately lead up to that trip, you know, where I would meet Christ, you know, and then would one day be presented with the opportunity to invite my, my dad to my church, you know, where his faith would really grow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, and I would have never met you guys. Wow, I'm not that sure that's good for you or not. But <laughs> we're glad you're here. <laughs> that's a questionable content right there. Yeah, we're awfully glad. It's been a privilege just to be in a part of seeing all that happen. But uh, tell me, what's it been like since? I mean, how would you summarize this? Every time I see you both together, it's, it's a great thing going on there, and and uh, it's, it's like something never happened, but the truth is it did. And you, years before that, went to an altar because you were in anguish about certain things, and yet God does something incredible over a period of time, and then you're kind of caught off guard and sent to somewhere between a church camp and where you come to realize instead of escaping, you want to stay, and something amazing is happening here. So, so summarize, what's it been like since, William? Well, I would say for me, there was obviously a huge rough, rough patch after I got back from camp. Yeah. Um, you know, because I was, you know, 
I just spent a week hearing about how God loves me and, you know, how he has such great plans for me. And like, you know, and I come back, you know, um, a week later, my mom's like a little mm-hmm. sick, you know, and I'm like, wow, like, you know, it's, well, she's got pneumonia again. You know, she gets pneumonia every year, but she's, she's going to beat it because she always beats pneumonia. Like I just, that's who she is, you know? And that's like who I, you know, kind of saw my mom as because, you know, my mom, uh, provided, you know, and, and my dad did too, but my, my dad like kind of worked to provide and my mom kind of just did whatever she had to do to put food on the table or, you know, did whatever she had to do to, you know, put, you know, like clothes on her back. Like I remember my mom, you know, essentially like stealing stuff from like stores and, you know, and, um, you know, because we were poor and she, you know, didn't have the money or said she didn't have the money, you know, um, she was doing that and uh you know so i'm I'm, my in my mind like in my eyes my mom was like always this like fighter you know so i you know knew she was tough and i knew i was like man she's gonna just beat that pneumonia and then uh you know two weeks in you know she's in the icu and um you know two weeks after that she's in the ccu critical care unit and um you know and i'm just sitting there thinking like what's happening in my life because you know i'm questioning god you know to the fullest extent because you know like at that point in my life like that's that's all that i had was my mom and um you know i just heard you know that entire week you know jesus you know he loves you you know he's got such great plans for you and i just thinking like god if you love me like why are you taking my mom from me? And so I get back and, uh, you know, my mom, you know, passes away and, uh, you know, and I'm just like, you know, kind of thrust in this relationship with my dad and, um, you know, and so that first year was like extremely tough for me, but in that year, like I really developed like an awesome relationship with my dad because, Mm -hmm. You know, for me, you know, I, I spent those five years hearing about how bad he was, you know, and, and that year, you know, from when I was like 15 to 16, you know, I, I saw complete transformation in my, my dad because he wasn't somebody that was just like working all the time, you know, and like, you know, working on his race car, like essentially he didn't ever work out in the garage on his stuff like, you know, his, like, his race cars or anything like that, and, like, he, you know, was showing up to our, like, sporting events, and he was, you know, like, taking my, my sister to cheerleading competitions, or he was, like, you know, taking us to, like, Hershey Park, like, I, I remember my dad taking my sister to the Jonas Brothers concert. Really? Three hours away in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and I thought, man, that guy deserves Father of the Year award. And uh, especially for Jonas Brothers, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get sued for that one. Yeah, Year Three Thousand isn't a bad song, but that's just my wow. my thing. No, I'm kidding. But um, but yeah. So yeah, I just um, 
you know, just saw a complete, you know, transformation in him. And, you know, it was uh, just really, really remarkable to see, you know. And um, how about today? What kind of relationship you guys have? Yeah, and you've spoken to that. but Yeah. Um, I like a fantastic relationship, you know. Um, I, I would even say, you know, like once I graduated high school, I really just didn't have like, you know, any, uh, like any plans like for my life. And, uh, you know, like when you're at a young age, you don't really see how hard your parents work or, mm. you know, you really just take everything for granted and you just think food magically appears in the fridge. And, uh, and it's not until you get, you know, a little bit older when you get hit with the, uh, the reality of life that like, you know, you, you gotta, if you want something, you gotta work for it, you know? And, uh, you know, I spent two years after high school, you know, just working with my dad and, uh, you know, I, I then I got the, you know, the urge to go to college and, um, you know, I couldn't afford it, you know? And so I watched my dad, you know, like, you know, work super hard, you know, to, um, essentially, you know, put me through college the first year, you know, and that like, you know, like, like seeing him work that hard, you know, really just, you know, um, really just influenced me, you know, mm. to, to, to go after, you know, the things that I want in life. And, uh, so I, uh, I, I never really had anybody growing up, you know, till I was maybe like 14, you know, I didn't, or 14 or 15, you know, I'd never, I didn't have a role model. Like I had nobody like, you know, to like look up to, you know, and then when my dad gets into my life, you know, I have, you know, something that really has just set like an awesome work ethic in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I look back at like, you know, him going to the Jonas Brothers concert, him going to these cheerleading competitions, you know, just to really set that example in my life of, like, you know, what it means to be a great father, like, you know, what it means to, you know, honor your family, you know. Um, there's no better way to honor the people you love better than with your time. Amen. Amen. The obvious question here, Bill, is how was that Jonas Brothers concert? <laughs> You don't remember. I, do I honestly don't remember. <laughs> Some remember things the, you try to block out in life. <laughs> I remember the drive. Yeah. You remember the drive? The drive. And yes, I do. Kind yeah, of Billy, or William, what you said about time is, um, you know, you can, any other resource almost, you can make money, you can stockpile other things, you can gather up almost any resource, whether it was something as rich as gold or as simple as food. But there is no making back time. Yeah. And for that to be given first and foremost, that really is the best gift, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, we we really are just like, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. Mm. And, um, you know, one of the, the things that I love to share with people, you know, especially like, you know, younger people is that there's two important days in our life there's the day we're born and there's the day we die and it's essentially what you do in between those two dates that really define you as a person you know 
Amen. Bill, what are you thinking? Uh, as he was saying that, I was thinking about it's your dash mm. in between your birth date and your die date, the dash in between what you do with it. Wow. And, I mean, from where I sit, it looks like you've taken something that was headed in a trajectory that wasn't good, and you've made something, and through the power of faith, through the power of Christ, something, a miracle has turned out in many respects. And so let me ask you this. We ask everybody the, the same thing for the most part is, what would you tell others who may be listening right now and say, boy, that, that sounds a lot like my story, but it's not going that well. What, what do you say to them? I mean, what, what's your hope? What's your word of hope? Ask the Lord what they want. Hmm. Whatever they want, ask the Lord. Hmm. And don't, don't think it can't happen. Hmm. You know, have faith. Don't give up. And if I could go back... You were having some serious emotional stress. Yes, I was. And psychological stress. Yes. And you got to a point, say, this is beyond me. Absolutely. I didn't like the way I felt, and I knew something was wrong, and I didn't know what to do, so I just turned to the Lord. And, and like I said, I went to, during my lunch break, I went to a church and I asked for help, and being desperate because I didn't like the way I felt. I, I, I just done what they told me to do, and I kept coming back to church. And, you know, then I was approached by my friend. And then it, 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 just, it just happened just like that. Hmm. And that guy's still your friend, right? Yes, he is. Yeah? Yes, he is. William, how about it? I mean, what do you... You have your dad now. We're looking at you, and what do you tell young men... Uh, find someone to invest in you. Mm. Um, I've, I've had one specific person in my life, like really invest in me. And, uh, you know, I'm honestly just like so thankful for that. And, uh, you know, just, because like one person investing, you know, their time in somebody can really just change the trajectory of a whole family. Yeah. You know. With a message of hope. With a message with a message of hope, with a with a message of Jesus Christ, with just the essentially just a message of just love, you know. Yeah. That's great. Luke, what's on your mind? Uh, that um, one person who can change a whole family, we know a little something about that too. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Few things are more true than that statement there, William. Yeah. yeah. We have some similarities in that regard. Well, we're going to give you guys the last word for tonight. This has been an incredible journey. As you can step back for a second and see two paths go parallel, then then come together, and from that point forward just the the miracle in the hand of God take place in a family that that's still tight today. Yeah, a absolutely. You know, and I just remember the way I felt, you know, um, sitting in that hospital 
you know, surrounded with uncertainty, you know, and, uh, you know, like the pain of losing my mom, like, you know, I, I'll always love my mom. Mm. Like that's my mom. Like, you know, I, I came from her, you yep. know, she, she raised me, you know, and, um, like that, that's just incredible. You know, I can never, you know, just thank her enough for everything she did for me, you know, and, uh, I, I had no idea, you know, through her death, you know, like I would get to experience such an amazing relationship with my dad. Mm. And, um, you know, cause we, you know, we, we don't, I, I didn't essentially, you know, see the joy that was coming in my life with being able to have like an awesome relationship with my dad where he could, you know, just like essentially help me through every step of the way where, you know, like I got to, you know, grow into like a, a man, you know, with his guidance and, you know, his advice and, uh, you know, just, uh, get to, get to experience that, you know, uh, you know, and, uh, so it was an incredible journey, you know, and I'm, I'm super blessed for him, you know, and for his hard work and, you know, just for his dedication to his children, you know, so it's just, uh, it's, for me, it's just, you know, getting a step back, it's just really remarkable. And that's great. I think what a great early Father's Day gift to hear those words. But if I could just step back for, for a second and say, Bill, it didn't end there for you. You're now giving your life away in many respects to, to a group of guys that you see once a week and even at a, a breakfast on Saturday. And there are times that you're... you're you're helping them walk through difficult times by sharing your own life. And I think that's, that's incredible. You know, just those, that quiet advice that just really moves men along who desperately still need to hear truth today. Right. Right. Yeah. Iron sharpening iron. I learned from those guys just as well, Steve. Amen. I, I see what they go through. They share their experience, their strength, their hope, their love. I learned from them just as well. And you, you haven't quit. You, you've taken what's been given you, and you're giving back, and that's such a great thing to see. And, and you, William, you know, it was an organization that you were kind of lured into by, by your math teacher who now, uh, as a young man, you're doing what he did. Yeah, and, um, you, know, you know, just the example that he, uh, you know, put forth in my life, you know, is something that, you know, means so, so much to me, you know, and, uh, you know, I, w I wanted to take that opportunity that, you know, where, when he invested in me, you know, and, and just seeing, you know, the, um, you know, like the ripple effect of that, you know, um, about how w one person can change the trajectory of like an entire family, you know, like I, I wanted to be a part of that and not in a selfish way. Like I didn't want to like, you know, like impact their lives, you know, just to sit back and say that, you know, I did that, like just because of like the change in my life that I got through that, you know, like the happiness, the joy of the, you know, getting to know Christ, like, you know, I, that's like leading people to, you know, you know, a relationship with Christ is, you know, just something that, you know, I, I, I want to do with my life just because of the impact that, you know, it's had on me. You know, just one person investing their time, you know, on, on another person, you know, just 
changed like you know changed eternity for for somebody else you know and then that person you know taking an opportunity to invest their time you know like the ripple effect is is just like you know it's incredible you know and uh yeah, that's what it essentially just boils down to, you know, just laying down your life, you know, for for somebody else. Amen. We want to thank you both for just coming here tonight, sharing your stories, which which are beautiful. They're difficult to hear at places, but in the end, it's amazing. Yes, it is. And I'd like to say to my son, I see how you you impact those young men that you work with, those young boys on the when you coach them and you you come home and you tell me the stories about you know the 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 problems they have with you know uh in their sports or getting in front of somebody and doing something and then they they confide in you and you give them good advice and you you're impacting their lives thank you dad that's that's really awesome man i I really appreciate that that's really awesome to hear yeah and Bill, I see how you're impacting other people's lives, and that's incredible. So thank you both. William, thank you've you. you've never quite given up ever since that camp trip to reinvest what you were given. Yeah. And I've always admired that about you. Awesome, man. Thank you. It's uh, you know, I appreciate your friendship and uh you, you too, know buddy. just uh everything you guys have not only done in my life, but my dad's life, you know, Amen. and it's just that that fellowship, you know, is is an extraordinary thing, you know, and, uh, it, you know, it keeps us all afloat. Amen. It keeps me afloat too. Thank you both. This hey. is awesome. I appreciate it. Hey, this has been really fun and thank you. And you're always welcome to come back at any time you'd like. Now let us thank you. We're just, uh, <laughs> we're just two guys here that so happen to have the microphones. The the magic here is you guys. Amen. Yeah. The only way we're coming back is if the uh, Jonas Brothers have a reunion tour. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a sign. Yeah, so sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, it's an all forest. We'll be involved in the lawsuit, so just, uh, it's all right. Look, sign us off, would you? All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Take care. Thank you for listening to episode 15 of Restless the Podcast, titled Coming Home, featuring Bill and William. For we here at Restless the Podcast have hearts restless to find he who said, Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For whom is your heart restless? And for today, who can restore the relationships in your life? that your heart longs to be near to again. Every season, you're my soul.